Thank you for taking the time to listen to this life-changing message from the ministry of Faith Bible Chapel. We hope this message will encourage you in all parts of your life. At the end of this message, you will hear more information on how to contact our church family, as well as directions for you to visit us for any of our worship services. Until then, join us for the service in progress. So this is what we're looking at today. And so Paul begins out of Ephesians chapter 2. If you have your Bibles, you can open to it. We're going to start in verse 19. And he begins kind of laying some groundwork, laying the foundation of who we are as a church. And so he says this in verse 19. You are no longer foreigners and strangers. He's speaking to us, the church. But we are fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. I want you to look in there. There are two, he, he identifies us with two different words. He says that we're God's people. And we also, he also then says even further that we are in his household. Now, what's the difference between God's people and his household. And so you ask, if I was to ask you this, like who is, who is in your family, you would start telling me about your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, your cousins, and, and, and all, all those people you see at family reunions and you never remember their names, but you act like you do. Now you're like, well, that's my family. Yeah, that's them. But if I was to say who is in your household, that means who pulls up the chair at dinner time? Who do you, do, who do you play cards with on Friday nights with your family and who do, you, who do you watch movies with? And who do you sit out on the back porch and drink sweet tea and don't even say anything, but you're still hanging out? I drink sweet tea. You may not. Those, that is in your household. And this is what Paul is talking about. This is, it's your inner family that you have been called, you and I have been called, not to just a, a just a, a, a Group of people out there that somehow belong to God. No, 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 no. You are a part of his inner family. We are sitting at the table together. That's why as we took communion together, we're sitting at the table together. We're eating together. I'm, I'm looking at you and you're looking at me. And, and this is, you're a part of the household of God. And we are part of what God, he, he's demonstrating this is how close we are. This is what God wants us to be as a church, to be like we are a part of a family. It's very interesting to say, you know what, I I mean, especially churches this way that so many times we think, we think, you know, if I don't like something, man, I'm out of here. But here's the problem with that. If someone in your family did that, you pull up, you know, I don't, I don't, mom, I don't like dinner. And so I want to remain part of your family, but I'm going to move somewhere else where the, where the mom cooks better than you. No, no, you're not. You're, you're going to sit your butt right there because uh, you're in this household. And what does that As long as you're in this household, you're going to do what we ask you to do. But that's what's funny is that Christians believe that this, this can, God has called you to be a part, an intimate part of a family. And so, so many times people leave churches and go to churches and go to other churches because things just aren't Exactly the way they want because they have an argument. How, how many here have ever had an argument in your home? Raise your hand. Some of you are just lying in church. And what would it feel like if every time there was a disagreement, someone threatened to leave? That would be not healthy, would it? You'd think, 
Okay, so then everyone, everyone lives in fear. You can't do anything because what if, if Johnny gets upset? He's, he, yeah, I, I still, listen, it's all right. I'm still part of the family, but I'm out of here. That would not be healthy, would it? And this is what happens in churches all over the place. I understand there, there, are, there are churches that God calls people to be a part of that, that things break down and leadership is abusive. And I understand all of that. But what I'm saying is this, is that God wants us to demonstrate. He wants us to be a part of an intimate relationship with one another, a part of his family where I need you and you need me. And we're walking through life together. We're sitting down eating together. And sometimes we'll get meals that I like and sometimes we'll get meals that you like and I don't like. But it doesn't matter because we're family we're hanging out I might have to give some things up so that you can have something well that's okay why because we're family and Paul is reminding this church in Ephesus don't forget that you're family Yes, you're part of God's people, but you're also sitting at the dinner table together. You need each other. And you're different, but you need each other. And then Paul goes into talking to them and referring to us in these construction terms. Some of you maybe have grown up in construction or you're in development today, but listen to how Paul starts talking about us, the church. He says this, that we are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. With Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. So Paul is describing you and I as a building, as a church. Not this building, not this building. But you and I together, we are the building. He's actually asking them, the church that he's writing to and us, to lift your eyes from small thinking about what church should be to God's thinking about what church is and should be. That's what he's doing. So he's saying, please, please, please stop fighting over the remote control. Please lift your eyes and see them as your family. And so he's wanting them to understand that actually, if we are in unity and together, we are something that's actually spectacular. So I want you to be strengthened today about your life and about us as a church. And I just, I want to look at some foundational things for us as a church at Faith Bible Chapel out of this passage. And what we as a leadership believe, and I believe with all my heart, is this. And as a church, Jesus is our number one. He is our foundation. He's it. He is, our, he is what we stand on. 1 Corinthians 3.11 says this, For no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. This is why in Revelation it says that Jesus was the Lamb of God who was slain before the foundations of the world. In other words, from the very beginning, Jesus was the foundation of the church. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus was the foundation of the church because everything they did, every festival that the Israelites did, every, every, everything they did pointed to a greater reality, and that was to Jesus Christ. It was a type and a shadow of the real deal, and it was still pointing to Jesus. 
The work of Jesus Christ, his life, death, and resurrection is the cord that runs from Genesis all the way to, the, to Revelation that cinches up all of the Bible. And so it makes sense. And this is what Paul is saying, that there is a foundation that is laid for us as a church that is only and is Jesus Christ. Now, the apostles and the prophets, they laid the foundation. They did the work of laying it. But Jesus is the foundation that they've laid. So here's the deal, that buildings... And we're speaking of the church, are only as strong as their foundation. You, have, you, you can have a beautiful looking house, but if, if your foundation is off, things are going to get wonky in your house. The windows are going to go a little crooked. You won't be able to shut doors. You're going to get cracks in your roof. You're going to get la- uh, leaks that are happening, walls that are, that, that are turning and cracking. That's what's going to happen. If you want a good building, you have to start with a good foundation. And this is what Paul is reminding us today, that Jesus is our foundation. It's like skyscrapers, that they're hundreds of stories tall. What you, you see all the beauty on the outside, but what you don't see is that a, a foundation was dug way down before they ever started making that thing look pretty. And they laid reinforced concrete many feet deep. Why? Because it needed a strong foundation. And the reason why that they had to build such a solid, strong foundation was to support the huge building that was going to rise up on top of it. It's very important to have a proper foundation. And Jesus, for us as a church, he is the foundation on which we stand. For we, for, yes, we are a building and we are a church, but God wants to build a foundation so that God wants to rise on the foundation of Christ, that, that he would get the glory of this church rising and growing and being everything that he desires it to be. And we need to know that for us as a church, that Jesus is our foundation. He is why we exist. He's what we rely on. He's who holds us together. He's the one who answers our questions. It is Jesus that that this, the foundation of this church is on. And that's what we need to understand. Amen. Number two, as a church, Jesus is also our truth. He is our truth. That might, might sound a little odd. Well, why, why are you saying it's our truth? But I just want you to listen to this for a moment. The, the truth about Jesus Christ, of who he is, is foundation, foundational upon what we build all of our beliefs. Everything about how we, how we interpret the Bible must be filtered to the person of Jesus Christ. And you and I, we've been around long enough to know that there are Christians and different believers that there is diversity of some, some doctrinal things or some, some beliefs that some are non-essential and some are essential. Meaning this, they have different they have different. They have different beliefs, and that's why we have different denominations. And listen, I'm great friends and can fellowship with people who disagree with me on non-essentials like, like the second coming of Jesus, whether it's, it's pre, mid, post, millennial, pan-millennial. I think it's pan-millennial, which means that however it pans out, it's going to be great anyway. But some people, man, if you don't believe the direction they believe about the second coming of Christ or the millennial reign of that, man, they will forget you. They will break fellowship over the second coming of Jesus. Somehow I feel like God's not up there going, good move. <laughs> or I can fellowship with people who have different beliefs on baptism or, or how to do baptism. I can fellowship with people like that. They're not my enemies. 
I still love them. I still thought, I don't say, listen, you're lost because you don't practice baptism the way I do, or you're lost because you don't understand the Holy Spirit like I do. But I tell you, some people do. Some people break fellowship over all of that. These are essentials and non-essentials. I'm not talking about embracing sin. Listen, if, you, if, if, if a denomination says, listen, this certain sin is, is totally okay and God doesn't care, listen, that's going to be very difficult because what they're doing is they're assaulting the foundation of what the truth of the Word of God says. So that's different. But some of these other things, they, they are non, non-essentials. But we know this, that the, the foundation of the church is Jesus. It's about his death. It's about his resurrection. And here's the deal. Do not let anyone else tell you anything different than what the foundation of the church is. It's all about Jesus. And the doctrine of Jesus being the foundation must never be compromised. It must never be compromised. You must never get off mission drift as a church and somehow make your church about something outside of the person of Jesus Christ and why he came. You must never compromise or you must never put something else to be to replace it or even be at the same level. The moment you put a ministry or or something or an outreach or whatever at the same level as of of the importance and life of Jesus Christ is the moment that you weaken the foundation, and actually that's called idolatry. We believe this about Jesus. We believe that he was God in the flesh, that he's the savior of the world to every tongue, every tribe, every nation. He was born of a virgin. He lived a sinless life. He died a substitutionary death for me and for you. He was buried. He bodily resurrected. And one day he will return. That's the foundational doctrine of the church. And there's some groups that go around and and they begin to say, actually, Jesus, yeah, I believe in Jesus. Yeah, I believe he died for me. But yet, as they begin to articulate about Jesus, you realize, I don't think we're talking about the same Jesus. It's kind of like someone coming to me and say, yeah, I know your wife, Cheryl. She's six foot tall and and blue eyes and and blonde hair. And I said, no. No, that's not my wife. Yeah, yeah, it's Cheryl King. Yeah, and they go around. I know Cheryl King. I know Jason's wife. She's six foot tall. She has blue eyes and, and blonde hair. And, and no, that's not my wife. Yeah, I, I saw her. I talked to her the other day. And, you know, she, I'm, wait, wait, time out. That's not my wife. But her name's, her name's Cheryl King. And as you can see, it's, it, it gets difficult on how, you do, how do you discern which Jesus, which Jesus are you talking about? And that's why we got to know of who Jesus is and the foundation of who Jesus is. And those people who, who begin to articulate Jesus as something different. Actually, Jesus wasn't the only son of God. He was one of the sons of God. And all of a sudden, you wait a minute, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait. Your foundation is cracked. And they claim to be Christians, but if they don't have foundational doctrine of Jesus that this word teaches, it is cracked. And the building that, that they are trying to build, no matter how beautiful, no matter how kind they are, no matter how noble their emphasis on families are, the building is dangerous and it's cracked and those in it will perish. This is a passage today that's emphasizing that Jesus is the foundation on which we stand, period. If you don't believe in the Jesus of the Bible that this articulates, you are an error. And if you try to get other people to believe in a false Jesus, that's what's called heresy. Heresy means if you believe a certain doctrine 
and that doctrine can lead you to hell, that is heresy. So it's very important that we understand the foundation of our church and the beauty of Jesus Christ. And for us as a church, we are rooted, we are grounded, we are stable in the truth and the revelation of who truly Jesus is. He is our anchor. And he's why we are here today. So also as a church, Jesus is our number three. He is our strength. He is our strength. And this is a real personal sense for all of us today. A good foundation supports the rest of our body, but every one of us has some kind of other foundations we're building in our lives. We can choose to build the foundation of Christ, or we can choose to build our own foundation. And Jesus was talking about this very thing in Luke chapter 6. He was talking, there was, he, really, he said, you can, you can sum up the world in two groups of people. One is a, you can be a foolish person who builds your house on the sand, or you can be a wise person and build your house on a rock, and then when the storms come, not if they come, when they come, the waves will crash and the winds will blow. At the end of the day, even in the middle of, middle of, your, of your pain, the middle of your storms, the middle of your questions, if your house is built on the foundation of Jesus Christ, once the clouds break, you're going to you, you are going to remain and be whole and be saved because your house was built on the rock. The other group is the foolish ones who did not build their house on Jesus Christ. And the same storms came, but when, they, when the skies broke for them, their house no longer existed. And Jesus breaks it down in these two areas. And so the one who built their house on the rock was the one who built a deep foundation. They laid the, the rock beneath them and the storms came. And so because life is full of storms, so you may face emotional storms, financial storms, relational storms. You may have been betrayed. You, you might be in pain today. But I'm telling you this. If your life is built on the rock of Jesus Christ, when the storms come, you will not fall apart. You will not fall apart. You, you may feel like it. You might be on the verge of it and you think, I can't do this anymore. But I'm telling you, if your life is built on the rock, you will remain and everyone else will perish. That's the good news of Jesus Christ. If you build your life maybe on the stock market, on your ability, on your intellect, on your know-how or how many people know you or how many people you know, when storms come, when storms come, your, your life, the foundation of your life is as good as the securities in which you've built it on. And so we know that all of those things that I just mentioned are temporary. They were temporal. They're not going to last forever. And if you built your life on something else outside of Jesus, you will fall. And when difficulties come, it will be very difficult for you. So for us as a church... For us as a community, it's important that we draw our strength as a church, not from a personality, not from a senior pastor, not from good ideas and, and clever advertising, not from a particular leaning in one area of our ministry that whether it means we're blessed or not blessed, but we are strong because Jesus Christ is our strength and he is our senior pastor. You need to believe that. 
And you need to understand that. A church is blessed because of their trust, belief, that everything about them is anchored to Jesus Christ. That's why a church is blessed. Number four, we as a church, because of Jesus, actually Jesus is to us as a church, he is our cornerstone. He is our cornerstone. Paul writes this, Ephesians 2.20. He says, Christ Jesus himself, the chief cornerstone. It's very clear. And this is what a cornerstone is. Cornerstone, it's a foundational stone or the setting stone. It's the first stone set in the construction of a masonry foundation. So here Paul's talking about us being a wall or being a building that, that later in just a moment we're going to hear that he calls us stones. But a cornerstone is the first one that's set. It's important since all the other stones will be set, listen to this, in reference to that cornerstone, that one stone, thus determining the position of the entire structure. So one stone, one stone determines how the rest of the structure is going to look and going to flow and going to be. This is what Paul's saying. Jesus is that cornerstone. So the cornerstone sets the parameters of the building, And we, the people of the church, are the building. And Jesus sets what we do, why we do it, how much we do it. He sets what we do with our finances. And if we have any questions, we look back to the cornerstone. Okay, is this the right direction? And we're always checking with the cornerstone, with Jesus, if the parameters of the building are continuing to grow and to be the way that they should be. That's what he's talking about. The church should not just take its liberty and say, well, I'm just really passionate about this and this. That's, there's nothing wrong with passions. But if Jesus doesn't remain your cornerstone, you will, what's, you will get off what's called mission drift. You'll find yourself just a few years down the road, all of a sudden, you're, you're really focused on one area and you've lost the point that the cornerstone, you, you, you've, you've gone off track and missed what Jesus wanted the church to be. Because Jesus is our cornerstone. The Bible says this, the stone which the builders rejected, speaking of Jesus Christ, becomes the chief cornerstone. In other words, he holds us all together. He holds your life together. Your life might feel like it's falling apart. You might feel like things are out of control. You might have been hurt. You might be betrayed. You might be facing difficulties or criticism. But my friends, Jesus wants you to know he has you in his hand, and he is your cornerstone. He's going to hold you all together and keep you straight and keep you moving forward, and you can rest assured, come hell or high water, Jesus has got this. That's what you can rest assured. Now I want us to look at us as a church just real quickly as we wrap this up. There's a foundational side of who Jesus is in our church. But now I want to talk about us because because we mean a lot to God. He he loves every one of you. He he adores you. He is passionate about you. He's committed to you. He, he He is all in on your behalf. And as a church, number one, we are living, or you could say we are alive. We are living. 1 Peter 2, 5 says this, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house. You're being built into a spiritual house. 
I mean, th- here, again, he's continuing to talk about building. And, but this is interesting. You're going to be built into a spiritual house. And we, the church, are structure. And the Bible calls us living stones. And the living stones makes up the walls of our building. Not this building. Not this beautiful building that we praise God and thank God for. But the walls of the spiritual house. Because we are the church. This is not the church. We are the church. So, I, so I'm a living stone. You're a living stone. And I want you to think about stones just for, just for a minute. Think about us. If you were to think about all of us, we are different shapes. We are different sizes. We have different personalities. We process differently. Some are more creative than others. Some are more analytical than others. And we are very, very different. And that is what God fits together and begins to fit us together as the church. And he begins to, to put things and work things together. And, but that's the beauty of the wall. That's the bu- beauty of the building. Because I, I'm different than, than somebody else next to me. And so that's why we need the Holy Spirit to be the mortar that fits us together. Because we're going to have disagreements about things. But when we're the wall, when we're close to one another, we need, we, need, we need some mortar here. And that mortar is the fruit of the Spirit. It's love. It's joy. It's peace. It's patience. It's long-suffering. It, that's, that's what keeps us together. That's what keeps us as a, as a building. The moment the building starts to break down is the moment that people stop being patient and loving with each other. But Jesus is building Faith Bible Chapel, a church that's beautiful. But you got to be in unity because we're different shapes and sizes and we got to fit together, which means it might be a little awkward sometimes. You know, if you're going to, like, how are we going to do this? I need some patience because this would be really uncomfortable after a while. But that's why we need unity. That's why you, you, you got to, we, we need unity together. That's why it's so important why gossip and slander are so directly spoken against in Scripture. Because we need to be close to make up the wall. And the moment you lose unity is the moment you have gaps in the wall. And then the enemy comes in and begins to attack the gaps in the wall. Listen, the gaps in the wall are not, not because of one person. Because they, something starts to happen that people get disgruntled. And, and they, they begin rubbing each other and say, well, forget you. And then there's a gap in the wall. And Jesus is fitting us together as we're submitted to him. And we're asking him to change us and to alter us. Also, we, we need each other. We're living stones together because I have weaknesses that you might be a strength. And then my strength is your weakness. And we need each other. We need each other to be everything that God's called us to be. Because God has called us to be the church. That's a beautiful thing. That this, that no one stone makes up the wall. We all do together. We're all built together. I need you and you need to turn and tell someone you need them. It's good for your soul. Just tell them. Say, I need you. Now, I'm sure you told somebody you know. I'm, turn and tell someone you don't know. I need you. Go ahead and tell them. I need you. We need each other because we're all different. But through the mortar of the Holy Spirit, there is strength 
There is power. There is peace. There is unity. And this building that he is building here at Faith Bible Chapel, sometimes it's painful. Because a good mason will, will take a stone sometimes. And, and, and how, how does he get a, a stone to fit in a slot? What does he do to the stone? He chips that thing. He breaks that thing. And then he fits it in. Because the goal is the wall, not the comfortability of the one stone. Go ahead. If you're going to clap, come on, let's do it. <laughs> And God's in the process of chipping things off all of us in our lives so that we can fit properly with one another. I'm a living stone. You're a living stone. We're making the building the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Secondly, what we're doing as a church is we're, we're growing. This is, what, this is what we're actually, what's actually happening. We're growing. Ephesians 2.22 says this. In him the whole building is joined together and is rising. This whole word rising just means it's growing. And when we think of a building, we usually think of the building staying the same. You build it, there it is. It stays the same. It's kind of like, I mean, our house, our home doesn't grow. I wish my house would grow, but it doesn't. It, it's, it, there it is. Why? Because it's dead. It's static. There's, it's not alive. But we're alive. The church is growing. We are dynamic. And this is us. So we're growing. God's desire for the church is that it grows. I don't know if you know that or not. But his actual desire is that the church grows. Do you know that? It was his desire that none would perish. It's his desire to, I, I, I would love to see when I read the scriptures how people were added to the church daily. Every day that they came. They, they had stepped from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light. People say, well, you know, listen, church isn't all about growth. Well, let, let me just ask you this. Um, what if we ask God these questions? What if we said, God, do you want the church to grow? God, do you want every tribe, tongue, and nation represented in the church? God, do you actually want the Great Commission to be fulfilled through our church? God, do you want the church to rise? What would God say to that? He would say yes. That's interesting. Some people criticize churches. Well, listen, church isn't all about growth. Yes, it is. It sure is. That is God's passion. I mean, this this is what moves me. This is what drives me. That the heart of God is that none would perish. The heart, of, the heart is that Jesus, the shepherd, would leave the 99 to go get the one. It's reach another. Reach another. Think about it. There, there's one more that we can reach. There's one more person that if, if they don't hear the gospel, they're going to go to hell. There's one more family that's go, that could be transformed if we will reach them. There's one more life. There's one more little girl that she could come to children's church and she could find Christ. That her, her family would be forever changed for generations. There's one more dad that, that if he could just receive Christ, that his life would be changed and he would love his family and love his children. There's one more mom that, that is addicted to painkillers, but if she could just find Jesus and feel that inside of her heart. There's one more. There's one more. It's dangerous for us as a church to start thinking, eh. But what about me? Jesus, there's one more. Help us reach one more. One more. And one more. 
Jesus wants the church to rise. There are two ways that we can grow. We can grow numerically, which I've just talked about that. That God adds to our numbers daily. Another way we can grow is spiritually. And this is about our maturity. This is about that we are allowing the Spirit of God to, to change us, to transform us. That's why it, the Scripture says that we grow in the grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Because we as a stone, we're living, we're growing, we're expanding. And this is what God wants for us as a church. The beauty and the power of growth. So for us today, the question is this, are, we, are you growing as a Christian? Am I growing as a Christian? Am I, am, I lar- am I larger this week than I was last week? I'm not talking about weight. I'm talking, I'm talking about our spiritual journey. <laughs> you know, like it's summertime. I'm trying to cut back, Pastor Jason. I don't know what you're talking about. Can you honestly say that you're closer to Jesus today than you were a week ago or two weeks ago? Do you find yourself, your attitudes and your emotions just getting more and more out of control? Or do you find them actually coming under submission to the Spirit and the Holy Spirit and the fruits of the Spirit? Are you growing in your desire to bring people to Jesus Christ? Are you growing in your concern for the lost and your concern for the broken and the hurting? Are you allowing the Word of God to continue to soften your heart, to shape you? Is your attitude becoming more and more like Jesus Christ? Are you growing as a spiritual stone in this church? Are you continuing to desire to be made into the image of Christ? All, all that matters is that we're growing. It doesn't matter what your dimensions are. All that God desires is that we would continue to grow because we're living. We are to be growing as a church numerically and spiritually simultaneously. That's what God's desire is for us as a church. And the last one is this, that we are to be a church that is filled with God's presence. We're to be a church that's filled with God's presence. A church that, that when we gather together, this is, this is the, it blows my mind, seriously, that, that when we gather together, something crazy happens. That the, the God's presence begins to minister. He begins to speak to you. He begins to reveal things in your life. He begins to, to make you feel loved in areas you never felt loved. He begins to heal you in areas you felt broken. He begins to meet needs inside of you that you didn't even know you needed, that needed to be met. Why? Because we're together as a church. We're to be filled with God's presence. Ephesians 2.22 says this. And in him, you two are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This same whole idea here, or another verse is that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. That same word means this, that what dwells in us is the same word that described when the, when, the whole, when the presence of God filled the holy of holies in the temple. This is what Paul is saying. He's saying this, you are a temple of the Holy Spirit by which God lives by his spirit inside of you. The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives in you. The same spirit that dwelled, dwelt in the holy of holies is the same spirit that now dwells in you. That's what Paul says. It dwells in you. That's something you need to understand. 
In, in the book of Acts, Peter stands up and he's preaching. He says, he said this, the, the Spirit of God, the presence of God, does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. It dwells in humans, you and me. And it's the Holy Spirit that dwells in us. And he, he, he does something. When we gather together, collectively, something begins to happen. Wherever two or three are gathered, something beautiful happens. And when we gather in one place, God begins to minister and to move and to bring freedom. That's why church matters. And I want you to hear me for a second. That you need to understand what dwells inside of you. You just need to understand it. There is no other place on the earth that holds a greater sense of God's presence than you. You're like, yeah, but no, what about, what, what about, what about Jerusalem? The presence of God does not dwell in buildings made by human hands. It doesn't anymore. After the resurrection of Christ. Yes, Jerusalem is, is the holy city of God. We have scriptures that speak all about that. But for us as a church, you, we need to understand that the presence of the holy of holies is dwelling inside of you. There is no other place on earth that, is more, that carries the presence of God is more holier than what is inside of you. Can I get an amen on that? Am I alone up here? I think it's dangerous. It's dangerous. It's dangerous to think that somehow you are a second-class carrier of the presence of God. You are not. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit, according to Paul. You carry God's presence. As a Father's Day, for all of us today, this message is recognizing that we are not our source. You as fathers, you are not your source. You are not your provider. You don't have enough strength to carry your family. You don't have enough confidence. You can't fake it till you make it. You need to know this, that we have a foundation that in our humanness and our weakness and our brokenness, that we can stand on the rock and God can meet us where we are as fathers today. It's all about Jesus. This church is all about Jesus. And so for all of us today, we are to function from the truth and the reality that Jesus has set parameters for our lives. He is the foundation of our life. He is the truth of our life. He is the anointer of our life. He, his presence dwells in us because of the work of Jesus Christ in our life. And that we are desperate to just bring things back to the foundation. Simply this, it's just all about Jesus. Your life is all about Jesus. Anything you can do is all about Jesus. It's all by the grace of God. It's not by your works lest any man could boast. Today, this is a reminder from the Word of God that He is our foundation, He is our strength, and we are truly called to grow individually as walls in the, and as, as stones in the walls. We're also called to grow numerically by pushing forward the kingdom of God. 
that we keep moving forward. The kingdom of God moves forward by force. We keep moving forward. We don't take a passive role and say, listen, I'm just going to chill out and, and just hang out. No, no, we're moving forward as a church. And I have great confidence and privilege in who we are as a church of Faith Bible Chapel. God has a lot more stones he wants to add to us. And you guys are precious. I am honored to be a part of this building called Faith Bible Chapel with you. I am a stone with you, a stone against you. We, we, are run, we are rubbing shoulders and wearing off in each other. We are serving together. Jesus sets up parameters and we follow him in our lives. Amen. Let's give Jesus a hand today. Amen. We hope that this message has spoken something personal to you. If you would like more information about our church family or service times, please call us at 303-424-2121 or visit us at our website, www.fbci.org. Faith Bible Chapel currently meets in our Family Worship Center, located on the corner of 62nd Avenue and Ward Road.